Welcome to Friends in Fiction, five best-selling authors and the stories. Novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson-Harvey, Patty Callahan-Henry, and Mary Alice Monroe are five longtime friends with more than 80 published books to their credit. In 2020, they created Friends in Fiction to provide author interviews and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing and to highlight independent bookstores. These friends discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Friends in Fiction is sponsored by Mama Geraldine's Bodacious Foods, the company that makes Mama Geraldine's cheese straws, which come in six varieties and are the best-selling cheese straws in the United States. Founded by former radio executive Kathy Cunningham and named for her mother, they have melt-in-your-mouth cookies too, delicious treats, and a woman-owned empire. Now that is something that friends in fiction can really get behind. Try them. You'll be so glad you did. Get 20% off on your online order at mamageraldines.com with the code FAB5. Snack on, y'all. This is the Friends in Fiction podcast, and we are talking to Jennifer Hart, the creator and founder of Book Club Girl, a robust platform that reaches a community of 400,000 readers, and it includes a bi-monthly podcast as well as a fast-growing Facebook group that I'm on and I know is super fun, and Instagram. Jennifer Hart is the Senior Vice President, Associate Publisher of Fiction at William Morrow. HarperCollins. In her career, she has worked on numerous bestsellers, including Orphan Train, The Alice Network, The Woman in the Window, The Guest List, and most recently, the huge blockbuster, The Rose Code, and The Bridgerton series. Jen oversees a diverse list of genres, including thrillers, historical fiction, romance, commercial and literary fiction, and fantasy under the Morrow Custom House Avon and Voyager imprints. She lives in Maplewood, New Jersey with her husband and three children, a cat, and as of a week ago, what I like to call a pandemic puppy. (laughs) I am Patty Callahan. And I am Mary Kay Andrews. Jen, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This is so great. I've been listening from afar and I just love what all of you are doing together. It's so, it's so smart. And I just, I love how you're bringing all of your audiences together to promote reading and, and helping people find new books. So thank you so much for having me. We have been so excited about having you. First off, we want to know the origin story for your fantastic community for Book Club Girl. What made you say, I mean, here you are, you're a publisher, you're, you're working full time, you're around books all the time anyway. What made you say, I'm going to start a book club? So it was, I think it was back in 2007, and it was really at the beginning of um, the birth of the book blog. So book blogs were really starting to come into our awareness as publishers and marketers as, you know, someplace we needed to be paying attention, you know, big mouth readers who were out there who we needed to be talking to. And we thought one of the best ways that we could reach out to that community as marketers would be to join that community ourselves. Mm. And the book club audience is obviously a highly coveted audience for 
all fiction that we publish. So it just seemed a natural to have it be a book blog that was centered around book clubs. So I, so initially it started as a blog and the goal was to be a resource for book clubs and to try to bring together for books, everything you would need if you were having a book club conversation. So a synopsis of the book, reading group guide questions, an interview with the author, supplemental extra materials if they existed, you know, if, if it was historical fiction, research and pictures from the, that the author had used. So that was really the beginning. And then from there, I don't think we quite envisioned the community that we were going to create and how that grew and changed as social media grew and changed, right? So it was initially a blog, then it started to become a, a presence on Facebook and on Twitter, and then that grew. And then, of course, as Facebook has grown and Instagram has grown, it has just really morphed beyond that into just a really vibrant community. Yeah, you know, what I'm interested in is, even back in 2006, how did you, did you have to convince the higher-ups at Harper Morrow that this is a thing? And to, to get their support, because you have to have, I don't think that people understand how much support you need to keep oxygen pumping into a beast this big. So how, how did that happen? And how did, was the expansion just sort of organic? Uh, and then now the podcast too, right? Right. So there wasn't really a lot of convincing and possibly because I'm a pretty type A person. And so mm-hmm. I did a lot of it myself. Yeah. So there was a lot <laughs> there of, you go. Write, there was a lot of writing blog posts, you know, while yeah. holding my infant son in the evening. Um, that, that was a big part of it. And it, it's more a time commitment than it is a, a financial commitment in terms of, of growing it. So in that respect, right. there wasn't, you know, there wasn't that hurdle. It was really, how do we, how do we kind of feed the beast once you create it and keep right. it going? And that's an ongoing challenge. It's definitely, you know, now there are other people, you know, on my team who help me pull it all together and make it happen on a daily basis. And it's a lot of work to make it to make it happen in that way. Um, and like the podcast, for example, um, there are two, Tavia Kowalczyk and Eliza Rosenberry run that, you know, very independently. And, you know, it, it takes it takes a team to make yeah. it happen. Yeah, totally does. You know what I what I love about Book Club Girl is that obviously your um the man who writes the check or is is the people who write the checks are Harper and Morrow, but you don't just feature in-house books in Book Club Girl. And I love that. How did that happen? So from the beginning that was a big part of the mission because and and to be honest, I think it was probably more part of the mission at the beginning than it is now. So from the beginning, we wanted to be as agnostic as possible to draw mm-hmm. in as many people as possible. But I think we almost over overdid it in that way because I think there was this concern that, oh, will, will a reader just automatically dismiss us if we just look like a promotional engine for our books? But what I found was that people didn't really come with that impression, what they really loved was all the backstory, all the additional information and the access that we were giving them to authors. And they didn't mind that, oh, they all happen to be Harper or Morrow or, you right. know, different imprints within Harper. We were more concerned about that than our readers were. Mm-hmm. So, and as it's gone on and we publish more and more books, you know, it really does end up being a lot of Harper and Morrow books because we just have such a great catalogs to draw upon. 
But people seem to know that, and that doesn't seem to be an issue right. because they appreciate what we're offering. It's just amazing because Kathy and I have watched it happen, you know, with Friends in Fiction. When a community is waiting for something like what you have, Jen, you know, it almost seems like when you start it, like field of dreams, build it and they will come. Because once you find your community, right, you know, that whole thing about howling and you'll find your pack. So I think it's amazing that once you started it, it just blossomed. And I mean, it does take a lot of hard work behind the scenes. Nobody really understands that. But at the same time, it's been astounding to watch Book Club Girl grow into what it is. One of my favorite things about Book Club, aside from the life conversations that bloom out of a book, are reading things that are normally out of my genre or normal reading because the book club picked something I wouldn't have picked. And I know, I think it's amazing how much you love Maud Hart Lovelaces, Betsy Tacey books. I love that you're kind of obsessed with them. And I am <laughs> You're sure definitely you, following me. <laughs> Um, I am sure you have chosen books outside of that genre and out of your favorite genres. So now that you've made the club and it started to grow, how do you decide, because it's you, how do you decide what is a really good selection? What is a good book club girl selection? I do think a lot of our audience gravitates towards historical fiction. And, you know, I, I do think that most historical fiction that we talk about within the group People are, they're right there for it. Um, but what's been really interesting to see over the past year or so, because now within the group, which as you're in it, you know this, it's very much user-generated content, right? Mm -hmm. Like they are in there recommending books to each other, talking about books. And we have to have a, what I call a very light marketing touch in there because yeah. they want to they want to get recommendations from each other. And that's, that's how it should be. But we've found, um, you know, we have a monthly poll to vote on a book to, um, to discuss that month as a group. And it's been interesting to put different books into the mix for the, for the vote and see that they're interested in reading rom-coms and they're interested in thrillers. And so while we know kind of our tried and trues, they want to read beyond those as well. So that's been really nice to see. And it's been really nice to also within the group, almost use it as a test marketplace as yeah. we're working on authors to see are they having resonance? Do people know about them? Are they finding out about them for the first time? Susan Wiggs is a great example of that, who has written, you know, 50 plus books in her career, but has really shifted more to women's fiction. And in the group, there are people who just came to her from Oysterville Sewing Circle. And they're like, Oh, my God, I love Susan Wiggs. She's written other books. And so we're like, Oh, we're, we're reaching a whole new market. And we know that because they're literally right in front of us telling us that they've never heard of her before. And we're like, this is fantastic. This is exactly what we wanted to do. Perfect. Yeah. Do you are do you seeing any any trends for book clubs overall during the pandemic? I'm thinking about my book club. We've been together for over 20 years. And during pandemic, um, we went to a semi regular Zoom meetings. But you know, I think now we're kind of all suffering from Zoom fatigue. Are you seeing any of that with book clubs? And what are the creative ways book clubs you see book clubs are using to to get over that or get past it? Right. I mean, I've been impressed with the resilience of the book clubs that I've been following and watching. We have um, 12 book clubs that we pick every year to be book club girl official book clubs. And so we had a slate through 2020 and then we have a new slate this year and they are sticking to it and they are, you know, they're holding on with the Zooms. I agree. I've got major video <laughs> fatigue. I look at my face all day long. I know. <laughs> I've never been so intimately in 
acquainted with my face, but they're really doing it. And they're doing a lot of creative. Um, I see lots of picnics, lots of outdoor gatherings and, and ways to connect that, you know, I've just been really impressed that they, I mean, I, I, in other parts of my life, there's, I'm, I'm having more connection with people who I'm not, you know, in the same town with, or the people who I, not the people who I work with. I think that's been good for book clubs. And I think book clubs have probably sprung up that are further flung, right? That, you know, you don't all have to be in the same town. You could have a book club right now. Yeah, that is. And then that, you know, that is one of the advantages of uh, being able to video conference zoom or whatever, that we can get together that way. Half of my book club moved down to uh, St. Simon's Island from Atlanta. So when we do have our meetings, it's great. We're like, oh my God, I haven't seen them in a year. And now here they are. Right. Right. So we all see the trends, but sometimes we don't see it till they're barreling towards us. Right. Until, until even when they're on the wane, for instance, the woman in the window and then the girl on the train, like that whole girl watching murders thing. Then we saw a huge surge in the unreliable narrator, domestic thrillers. So is that all still hot? Are we seeing more of them? What do you see right now? And I know historical fiction for sure, but what do you see rising, falling? Do you watch the trends or do they kind of come, you notice them after? Or do you make the trends, Jen? <laughs> or do you make the well, trends? I'd like exactly. to think we make the trends. Um, that, yeah, good point. I think it's a combination of all of those things, right? I think mm. we have, you know, we've got amazing editors who are seeing what's coming in and, and how it's changing. I mean, one of the big changes with, with historical fiction is that we're publishing a lot more diverse historical fiction in the coming months, which is long overdue. And I think that that's, you know, great to see. And we're seeing really strong reactions to those books that are coming. Um, and I mean, the thriller evolves, right? I, I think from the unreliable narrator, then we're, we're almost back to Agatha Christie style yeah, yeah. locked room mysteries like with like the guest list by Lucy Foley, things like that, that are just people tried and true, right? People love them. Um, what's been so great over this past year, and I'm sure you guys have experienced this as well, is just to see how much people have returned to reading full yeah. stop, like oh. anything. There's just so much reading happening that, I mean, it's so heartening and, we have to figure out how to keep it going when we're out of this situation <laughs> um, and we get into the roaring 20s. But I think that's been what's been so rewarding. And, you know, with with something like Bridgerton, people discovering romance who never read romance before. Um, right. So I think that's a huge opportunity, too. Yeah, I think that people who picked back up reading during the pandemic found things like Book Club Girl, found things like Friends in Fiction. I do think they'll keep going. I think it was almost a forgotten and it's not a leisure activity. I mean, it is it is important. And so I think a lot of people picked it back up and will, I hope, Jen, hold on to it. Yeah. Were there any sleeper hit novels that took you by surprise in 2020 and 21, Jen? Anything that you went, oh, yeah, that's a really good book, but I don't know if it's, if it's going to be a blockbuster. I mean, I'm, I'm sure... Of course, everybody at Avon knew that Julia Quinn was a rock star, <laughs> but the rest of the world that wasn't into Regency romance, maybe didn't even know what it was. Were there any other right. sleepers like that? Well, I think, you know, just speaking to, to, to Bridgerton specifically, while we, you know, we expected and hoped, obviously, that people were going to come to the first book, maybe the second book in the series, we could not have anticipated how deeply people started reading into that series 
within two weeks of Christmas, we were chasing, chasing, chasing all of those books. And that was really exciting to see people just find a series and then just, you know, they had to blow right through it. That was really cool. And I also work on Agatha Christie. So I can say that people, people went back to the classics. People definitely returned to what they kind of knew, what was comfortable. And we saw a lot of, um, you know, increased sales for, for her entire catalog, which was great. And I'm trying to think if there was anything else that was like a specific sleeper. Um, but I think, you know, just in general, it was just seeing so many books do so well and just seeing people come to fiction specifically and seeing that increase was really nice as people, you know, wanted to find an escape and you can't travel anywhere, but you can travel somewhere inside a book. Yeah, I think I think another one I'm thinking about is the the rom-coms and now rom-coms with, you know, with a diverse cast like Jasmine Guillory, who we had on Friends in Fiction. All of a sudden, people are going, wait a minute, wait a minute, all all kinds of people can do rom-coms? How cool is that? Right. Exactly. Yeah, that, I, that's been so great. And those are wonderful escapes, but and then telling everybody's stories, not just the ones right. that had been told. Right. So we talk a lot on the show about second careers, branching off from original careers. All of us did something else before we were writers. And I know this career branch did not take you away from your main career, but I'm curious about how it's enriched your main career, how it has fed that career. And because it, it looks like two separate jobs, but they're, they're in many ways. Melba, it together. feels like two separate jobs. <laughs> it's not doesn't just look like it. Yeah. Um, well, I think, you know, it's, it's really, it's really fed my publishing career. Mm. They fed each other. Um, Good. And it's been very symbiotic, I guess is the best way to explain it. It's good to be out there immersing yourself amongst a bunch of readers. It's very easy to become, I don't like the word bubble, but it is very easy to become, you know, sort of stuck in a New York publishing bubble and not really know what's going on with people who are actually out there buying your books and reading books. And, you know, we have this idea that people are hopefully buying a book every week and we know that's not necessarily the case. And maybe they're going to buy four books a year. How are you going to get them to buy the four books that that, you know, that you want them to. So in that way, it's been very interesting. Even when I was like in an in-person book club, I always found it so fascinating to see how people interacted. You know, we spent so much time on that cover and on the back cover and on the quotes and the copy. And, and I would go to book club and somebody would pick up the book. We'd be deciding what to read. And they're like, well, there's only quotes on the back. What's it actually about? And they would like fling it aside. And I was like, no, somebody really thought about those quotes so carefully <laughs> and thought that that was going to be the thing that was going to push you over the top of buying that book. And they're like, I don't even know what that's about. <laughs> yeah, just give me the green book. I want that green book. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. You need to tell them what the plot is. And that's something I talk about with my team a lot. They'll send me something and it's all quotes. I'm like, just a bunch of praise doesn't help a consumer decide if they're interested in this book. Like you've got to tell <laughs> them what it's about. So yeah, that's a good thing to remember. <laughs> yeah. So I think in that way, it's been really, and it's, it's, you know, it's good to be in the group and hear how people discover books, right? We, we think it's because of all the advertising we do and all the marketing we do and the publicity. And often it's, you know, their friend told them they saw it in a little free library. They took, they took it out of the library. Like we know that, right? The discovery is so intangible right. like how can we make the discovery happen so it's good to be on the pulse of seeing people discover books well let's talk about a book that's you've chosen that that you thought changed you 
that really shifted the way you see the world. Can you can you think of a book that had that kind of a profound effect on you, Jen? Um, probably The Things We Carry by Tim O'Brien. Ah. Mm. That's a book I just remember reading for the first time so vividly. And I just really changed my perspective on the world, but also just on writing and how writing can really transform you and, and bring you to a place that you would not otherwise be and put you in someone else's shoes. That That's a book that I just... When people ask me that question, uh, that's the one I uh, that immediately comes to mind. Was that a book club selection, or did you find that on your own? No, and I and I now I'm trying to remember. I think I read it after college, uh-huh. um, so I, I didn't read it in a class or anything. But I just read it on my own. And in terms of a book club book, another book I always talk about um, that I thought had such a great one of the best book club discussions I ever had was the Red Tent. I was um, just going to oh, say that my book club picked it and I'm like, uh, Bible story. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. <laughs> I was so, I was getting ready to, re- I was getting re- so weird, Jen. I was getting ready to re- to interrupt you and say like, I don't know, the red tent that my book club read. And I went, my head spun all the way around. Yeah. It was that it had that profound an effect on me. Right. So, and I, when I, I remember I read it and I, I liked it fine. I didn't love it, but the discussion we had was yeah. was phenomenal. And it was before I had kids or anything. And I think it would be an even completely different discussion now having raised daughters. And, it, but like it, I just, I, I often think about that book when people, when people say like, oh, I didn't really like it. I don't want to talk about it at a book club. I'm like, go talk about it with somebody. You never know <laughs> where, right. where the discussion might go. Well, that's what yeah, I was saying. You know, another one. I wonder if there is a. I wonder somewhere there is a list of um, book club book club all stars because I think also the, the book that falls into that category for me was the Poisonwood Bible. Mm-hmm. And I had I had never read Barbara King Solver, but I got assigned to host and present the book that that month. And wow, that I'll never forget that. Yeah. That's why I say that one of my favorite things to ever come out of book club is that you then get to talk about what's personal to you. I mean, that's what, that's what, but okay. And that, this is the perfect way to end an amazing conversation. (laughs) What are the upcoming titles that you are personally excited about in your book club? Okay. So just out last week is um, Jocelyn Jackson's new book, Mother (laughs) May I. And I, this to me is a, is an example of a book that, it's like perfect book club fodder because, well, first it's a page turning thriller that, you know, I think I read it in two days and you're like, Oh my God, how is this person going to get out of this situation? But there's so much, there's so many layers in it. And the second you finish it, you're like, I I have to talk to somebody. And then I emailed the editor right away. And I was like, I need to talk about this book with you. (laughs) Like there's so, she touches on so many issues of privilege and complicity and, guilt and innocence and you're you just have to discuss it. So that one I think is going to be great for book clubs. It's her second book since she wrote Never Have I Ever before this and she's sort of shifted it into this domestic thriller genre. Um and she's just doing such a great job at it. So I'm really excited for people to discover that and I think book clubs are going to really really love it. We had her on the show. Yeah, she was yeah. on with us last week. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's right. So And she's so, a friend no. of both of ours. Yeah. She's a dear friend. I'm, we're so excited about that book. All right, Jen, thank you. Do you have anything else, Kathy, before Mary Kay? I just want to ask her about historic fiction. I mean, wow. 
Um, yeah. One thing I'm curious about, like I have been ripping through the Rose Code, the amazing, phenomenal Kate Quinn. And of course, you know, one of our members in Friends and Fiction, Kristen Harmel, writes historic fiction, and she's got a great one coming out this summer, The Forest of Vanishing Stars. You know, we we saw a lot of um, historic fiction set in France and England. Um, then there are two this year, Pam Jenoff's The Woman in the Blue Star, and then our own Kristen's um, Forest of Vanishing Stars set in Poland. Do you think you're going to see more of these books that kind of buck the trend of books set in wartime England and France? Yes, I think so. And in fact, on our list this summer, we have um, two that uh, that do that. So one is called Island Queen, and it's um, a historical novel based on the true story of Dorothy Kerwin Thomas, who was a free woman of color who rose from slavery to become one of the wealthiest and most powerful landowners in the colonial West Indies. So um, that one we're really excited about. Um, And another is a book called Sisters in Arms, which tells the story of the women of the 6888, which was the only all-Black battalion of the Women's Army Corps. And so I do think that, you know, there's that World War II fatigue, (laughs) and although people still want to read about it, but I think we're starting to see, like, okay, what are the other stories that that need to be told and that people want to read about? So I do think there's there's more beyond um, Europe and, and World War II. Those are two titles I could definitely get behind. I yeah. was going to say, yeah, I wish I had those right now. So, Soon. well, I can send you guys some galleys. That would be amazing. <laughs> oh, maybe there'll be a cake in your future. <laughs> oh, all right. I like, I like this exchange. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jen, thank you so much for talking to us. This was yeah. so much fun. Thank you for having me. And and like I said, I just, I love what you guys are doing collectively is just so, so smart. And, and I just, and thank you so much for interviewing so many great authors and really appreciate it. Lots more to come, we hope. Okay, yeah. good. Thanks, Jen. Okay, thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Join us every week on Facebook or YouTube where our live show airs every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And please, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. We're so glad you're here. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.